Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith. And this is a podcast about all the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 20. This is our very special Halloween episode Ooh. of Jump Love. If you remember last, well, I've been doing all Halloween quickies, but uh, last week I was appalled at the fact that Sally doesn't care about Halloween. I know. I, it but was, guess what? I got on board. She did. I turned her. She's came over to the dark side. Both of my stories this week are going to be Halloween themed. (laughs) And I'm excited about it. And I think it's appropriate because our podcast is cursed. Our podcast is cursed. And we haven't discussed this yet on the podcast. But we have a curse. The curse is that if we talk about something that we're excited about. Like uh, my trip with my husband. Yeah. And also we've edited out, we edited out an entire section where I went on and on about how excited I was for Janelle James to headline the festival I was co-producing. Yes. And then Janelle had to cancel. Yeah. So it was supposed to come out in like the day before Jen was like, and Janelle just canceled. <laughs> what was the last she thing She had to cancel. I have to say, it wasn't, I'm not upset. I'm so excited for her. Check her out on Black Monday. She's oh, right. She got Black a TV Monday. show. She got a TV game. It's huge. The other thing was I was so excited to uh, open for uh, Rachel Feinstein. Yep. And then the, right after we recorded that episode, I got the news that she had to cancel because she had a TV. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we moved the You date. talked about it's your cruise. It's going to happen in December. I talked about the cruise and then I ended up not fully enjoying the cruise. It yeah. wasn't a total disaster, but I, I was like... That was just a mini, mini curse. Yeah. And then, yeah, your whole... Your first day of work. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, so anything, anniversary, we've, anything then, we've mentioned yeah. that we're like looking forward to, or we'll talk about it like, when this comes out, we'll have whatever. It won't. Disaster. <laughs> but um, yeah... Last week, uh, Sally got a really great opportunity. We were so excited. She got to open for Mark Marin. Immediately, we were like, don't you dare talk about this. Yeah, that was podcast. like our first thought. Do not mention it. Because it was, we recorded yeah. on Friday and I opened for him on Saturday and it was amazing. Yes. And I'll talk about it more on- Wahoo. Um, things you love. On things I love. No, it's so funny because now like Ben, my husband, knows too. And he was just like, you better not talk about that on the podcast. <laughs> He's like, don't talk about it until it's done. So now we're just going to sound like Debbie Downers all the time. No, we're we'll not talk gonna, about things that happen. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about things that happen, not things that we're excited for. There we go. Yeah. That's the ticket. That's the ticket. Should we get into our spooky quickies? Yeah, I have a spooky quickie, but I don't have a spooky love story. I feel like I need to say that up front because you're doubling down. You're double. Oh, I'm Halloween. doubling down. I'm all in on Halloween. It's almost like oh my god, you're the one who hates Halloween now. <sighs> What's happened? <laughs> <laughs> Did we curse Halloween for me? Um, yeah, let's get into our spooky quickies. I'm okay. super excited. You go first. Okay. Hey Jen. Hey Sally. Have you ever seen a ghost? I think. I think I have. I'm not, I'm not judging. Let's hear about it. Okay. I saw, this is a, ah, this happened so long ago and I like, I haven't, I don't think I've ever talked about it except for the time that I told this one person, but I think I saw an angel. Really? Or a ghost. Well, my, when I was growing up, my parents, it was just like a thing on Long Island. Everybody went to religion class every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. religion class was like fun and it was like you just go to your friend's house and they make you do worksheets oh yeah all my friends went yeah. to religion class i didn't because i was a heathen but yeah oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and so this one particular it, it would switch around like each year whose mom taught it but at the time it was my friend desi vecchio who's so awesome she's amazing and i do i do keep up with her on facebook but if you're listening desi you're awesome. And so, anyway, so, uh, so her mom um, was the teacher. Yeah. I went to the class. I could feel her sadness. Like, I don't know why I could feel like that something was wrong. Yeah. But she didn't, like, discuss it with us. And then one night I, like, saw an angel. Like, it's crazy. I saw an angel, like, in the corner of my room. And Whoa. I knew that it was 
related to her. Yeah. And then I went the next week to religion class and I told her that and she started sobbing. No. Because her sister had just <gasps> Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy. I haven't crazy. thought about this. I haven't thought about this. Jen, you're a medium. Oh, you could be a Long Island medium. I want to be a Long Island medium. I do. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, sometimes I do have, like, psychic things. Like, premonitions? Yeah. Like, our our good friend Travis Jones is a fellow comedian. Uh Uh-huh. We produce a show together, Travis and I, and I... Super fun. Date night. Yeah. You should go. And so... If you live in Atlanta. Um, one night I just said to him, I said, you're going to kill me when I tell you this. And that, and he was like, what? I was like, I had a dream last night that you told, cause him and his wife had just gotten married. Yeah. And I was like, I had a dream last night that you told me that you and Stephanie were having a baby and he turned white <gasps> and he goes, we just found out and we haven't even told our parents yet. Oh. And I was like, what? I was just telling you a dream I had. And he was like, no, we're, t- we're pregnant. Isn't that crazy? No way. Yeah. Sometimes let's quit this show and do Jed the Medium. Yeah, (laughs) let's start a separate podcast. That could be like our. We should start a Patreon, and it could just be like Jed telling her dreams. Yeah, (laughs) reading your future or whatever. All right, dude, that's crazy. I think I. I'm not even gonna do a quickie now. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen a ghost? I think so. Really? Well, okay. So here, so remember I talked about how I used to work at. Camp Crystal Lake. I mean, it's called yeah. Camp Mason, so I can't But so there was also that camp owned another property that was just like a little bit away that was a former camp. So it had this huge, beautiful lake and then it had all these cabins, but it was like abandoned. And so sometimes we would go there to like swim in the lake because it was a bigger lake than ours. But we found out that the reason that it was abandoned and that nobody there is because there was a fire there and a bunch of kids died. <gasps> and so, but we would go on these like overnight trips sometimes, like once a week we would take the kids somewhere. And so one one week I took my kids there and we all camped out on the lake. And in the middle of the night, I woke up and I looked and I saw these like little figures walking towards me and they oh were like God. light you know they looked like light light white I, the only way i could describe it was, it was like i in my mind it was Sparkle like they were vampires no like tiny white <laughs> bears <laughs> like they looked like little bears Aww. um and i like looked up and saw it and they like went right back to sleep so it totally could have been a dream i don't Whoa, know but and i crazy. and i didn't know i already knew the story so you know it was in my mind but i like it stuck with me. I really thought, and I wasn't scared. I just was like, "Oh, okay." There like, they are. Sleep. Yeah. Oh my god, that's nuts. Yeah. Dude. Oy. So that's my. That's so. I don't know. I'm open. Okay. I'm open. Okay. So I don't know how open I am to this story, but okay. So this is also about a person who has seen a ghost. Okay. So Amanda Large from Belfast, Northern Ireland was meditating the first time she saw the ghost of a 300-year-old Haitian pirate, Jack Teague. But she wasn't spooked. She was annoyed. She was like... Get out of my meditation. Yeah, this is my quiet time. Hit the bricks. <laughs> but he like kept coming back. I'm manifesting stuff. You're ruining it. <laughs> what are you doing here? Um, <laughs> the third time he came around, she, she was like, okay. She started, she like struck up a conversation with him. And so she started communicating with this ghost like for several months. And she discovered that he was actually the pirate who had inspired the character of Captain Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, so he was like dr- walking around all drunk with Johnny Depp hair. Yeah. And eyeliner. Was he wearing eyeliner? Um, well, I mean, something that I am sure is like completely coincidental to this. Um, before she met the ghost Jack Teague, Amanda had worked as a Jack Sparrow impersonator. Okay. She had also spent like thousands of pounds like on clothes and redoing herself like her hair and everything to make herself look like Jack Sparrow. Who's actually like that character. Did you know that he's based off of Keith Richards? Yes. Yeah. And at one point she actually added Sparrow to her last name, although she dropped it. So so, so this that, was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, oh maybe. So she fell in love with the ghost. And in July of 2018, on a boat in the Atlantic Ocean, the two were married in a ceremony officiated by a self-described shaman. And during the ceremony, Amanda says that a medium spoke for Jack to give his consent to the marriage so Uh that she, you know, and um, she legally changed her last name to Teague. 
So she and Jack also had a pagan hand-fasting wedding ceremony, which is like a Wiccan tradition, and which her friends and her mother attended. And she said that her four children from a previous marriage and friends were very supportive of this marriage. Oh my gosh. Um, Sadly, though, (laughs) their love was not meant to be. (laughs) Um, So soon after they got married, Amanda began to get sick, and she was convinced that it was Jack that was making her sick. So she said, I was getting abscesses reoccurring all the time after Jack and I would have any sexual relationship. It was something that was in the back of my mind. I never had those before I was with Jack. So she decided to cut off sex with the ghost. Did Jack give her bed bugs? (laughs) (laughs) Um, She said once she stopped having sexual relations with him, that the abscesses started to approve. And she said, like, like, literally the three best weeks since we got married. But then one night, a friend of hers married her spiritual partner. And they got, you know, they were, like, celebrating. So she and Jack ended up being intimate. And the next day abscesses were back and so then she started getting like really concerned so she asked him to leave because he was making her sick she had like sepsis is like like i don't know back like a perforation of her like colon oh my gosh she says right right. uh so she said she asked him to leave and he said he would kill her if she tried to escape him and so she went through a soul extraction performed by a shaman and then he left, and her health dramatically improved. And she announced the split, as you would, on Facebook and warned others against marrying spirits. Oh, my God. Can you imagine, like, being her sister and just, like, the phone calls of, like, what did he do now? <laughs> like, that sounds exhausting. Right? Holy shit. So she actually wrote a book about her experience. Um, it's called oh, I'm sure she did. A New Attitude. What? That's the weirdest name for... <laughs> I got a new attitude. Yes! It just like, does not have the vibe of no. like a I married a ghost pirate. Yeah. So this has been like a huge story in the UK. You should look up some... I mean, some... You know, I love the like cheeky newspapers that just write like really you know i just love it think of a new attitude i think of like 80s hair shoulder pads business suit giant cell phone (laughs) like yeah yeah um no this is about like leaving your pirate lover and (laughs) um so there actually is one review i looked it up and it's it's five stars and it says i wanted to read it just to like you know. No, please. Yeah, okay. Please. It's actually pretty, I mean, it says, okay, so the publicity surrounding the author's marriage led me to this book. I honestly expected it to be a sensationalized stories like the news articles. What I found instead was a life story with many relatable topics. Childhood bullying, Christian school, abuse where the victims are blamed, expectations of women in society, family deaths, toxic friendships, chronic illness, and caring for animals. So even if you can't relate to a marriage or your her marriage or her spiritual beliefs, you will probably be surprised by how much of a story you can relate to. I appreciate Amanda for sharing her side of this internet viral story. So maybe it's actually really good. Are you going to read it? No. no. <laughs> I was going to say, you read it and you <laughs> tell me. Okay, how Somebody about this? else, what if you guys read it? I'll do it you like you did with Midsummer, and I'll... Yeah, first you have I'll to get, get an edible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then read it, and I'll report back. Okay, I'll read it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll read it. I'll read a. Maybe I'll listen to it. I'll listen to a listen little bit to of it. it. That's a good listen. Yeah, I wonder maybe if there's, there's probably not an audible book. Maybe, maybe. You never know. All right, let's hear your quickie. Um. Okay. Well, my quickie is like yours is so much better. Mine is just an <laughs> uh, an article on L dot com. That is eight, there's like eight different Halloween love story things. So I was just going to read a couple of them. Yeah, let's hear them. Um, Okay, cool. You know I love a love story. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so these are how people fell in love. Okay, here's one by Kaylee and Aaron, uh, spelled A-R-E-N. Um, so I guess like that's Aaron, the right way. I don't think that's the right way to spell it. That's how he does. No, I don't think he does. It's that um, we met at a... Halloween house party in college. I had taken off my heels much earlier in the night and was searching for them as I was getting ready to leave. I couldn't find them anywhere and he walks up to me, my heels in hand, and asks, are you looking for these? He had spotted them and brought them over to me during my frantic search. It was like a beer-fueled 
Cinderella story with peep toe pumps instead of a glass slipper. We've been together ever since and are celebrating our nine year anniversary this Halloween. Oh, I like that. It's cute, but I mean, he, he just like found your shoes. I don't yeah. think it was a <laughs> Cinderella story. Right. Like, were you running the stroke of midnight? Were yeah. you going to turn? No, he just found. Did he ask like 10 other girls before? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe he just steals people's shoes and then waits for them to leave. I would. That's a great idea. If you're looking to meet somebody, go to the front door of a party, take the shoes, wait till the end of the night, and then ask each girl, like, "Are these yours? Are these yours? Wait, what about this? I found this one yours. (laughs) What size shoe do you wear? Let me see. Is this one yours? Okay, I'm gonna do one more quick one. Okay, Uh, this one. I'm not going to say who it's by because it'll give away what's funny about it. But um, it starts out like this. I met my mystery man in ho- at a Halloween party at my university. No one was allowed to reveal their identity and I still don't know who he is. I went to a party as Batgirl and he went as Scream. We got along so well during the whole party and at the end of the night we kissed. He pulled his mask to one side and I only caught a glimpse of some stubble. I asked for a name so I could add him on Facebook and he said he wanted to remain a mystery. I never found out who he was, but it was such a good night. And it says it was written by Gina and Scream. <laughs> I don't know if I would do that. Would you do that? Be like... Make out with the dude that you didn't know who he was? I mean, I guess, you know, I probably did that For the a lot. sake of Halloween? No, I mean, I've definitely made out with guys I didn't know who they were. But I mean, like, what if you didn't? didn't know who it was like yeah, what yeah, if it yeah. was someone you did know but he was in oh. a mask you know what i mean and then you never knew that you made out with yeah him? and then this guy's sitting in the corner every day that you hang out with them and he's like we totally made out we totally made out I yeah kissed her. yeah and like to ha- and he would have like kind of, not a power but kind of a thing over you know what i yeah. mean i think that's kind of cool is it yeah all right i mean for him yeah yeah well, <laughs> she seems very pleased. Yeah, she's... I think she. I think win-win for them. Win-win. Win-win. Okay. Okay. Hey Jen. Hey Sally. Are you ready for my Halloween murder story? Hell yes, I am. This one is called. Better be good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this one is called the trick or treat murder. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, so okay, it was Halloween night in nineteen. 19- I feel like we should have like um, sound effects of like lightning, right? <laughs> like, okay, go ahead. Sorry, it is very dark and cobwebby in here. But That's uh, did just you decorate my house? <laughs> so it was Halloween night in nineteen fifty-seven. Goldine Pizer rang Peter Fabiano's doorbell. When he answered the door. She shot him through the chest. What? She had never met Peter, but she had been planning his murder for three months. What? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So 35-year-old Peter Fabiano and his wife, Betty, have just been going to bed. Betty's teenage daughter from a previous marriage, Judy, was asleep upstairs, and it was almost 11 p.m. when they heard that doorbell ring. They assumed it was kids out causing Halloween mischief And so Peter went downstairs to open the door and Betty heard him say yes. And then is it a little too late for this? And in fact, the woman who stood before him did look a little bit like a trick-or-treater. She wore red gloves and a mask and makeup. (gasps) And she carried a paper bag like trick-or-treaters did at the time. Oh my God. And when Peter asked, isn't it a little too late for this? Goldine said no. And she was shaking as she lifted the paper bag that held a 38 Smith & Wesson and she pulled the trigger. She didn't even take it out of the bag. It just blew a hole Oh my God, how have I never heard about this before? So Betty told police she heard two adult voices and she said that one sounded masculine and the other sounded like a man impersonating a woman. And then Betty and Joan heard that noise and they said it heard a noise it sounded like a pop and she and judy both got out of bed at that point and they ran downstairs and they found peter lying on his back just inside the front door and heard a car screeching down the street and so it was 1957 so at the time 911 didn't exist so judy ran two doors down to bud alper's home and judy knew bud was a member of the los angeles police department and so she banged on the door until bud answered and Bud contacted the 
closest division, they were in the valley. Several officers arrived within minutes to the scene of the shooting. So there was only one witness. It was a 15-year-old boy (gasps) who said he saw a green car speeding out of the neighborhood. Wow. So Peter and Betty Fabiano met in the late 1940s. Peter was an ex-Marine, and Betty was a beautiful divorcee with two children, um, Judy, who was there. And then they had a son who was 17 and uh, was actually in the military at the time. So he was not at the home at the time. Um, They had got married in 1955 and lived in Kingston, New York, where Peter worked as a truck driver. Um, And then in uh, 1956, they moved to L.A. and opened two beauty salons, Peter operated one, and then Betty operated the other, and they were very successful. Wow. Um, So police were stumped about who could be responsible. And at first, they thought that the shooting seemed like a gang assassination. Um, And they started looking into Peter's background to see if he could have been involved in a gang. And I should say, sorry, I know that I sound stuffed up, but it's because I am. (laughs) I still have a cold. Last week, do you remember last week how I had a cold? I still have a cold. Um, Sorry. But aside from an arrest as working for a bookie... In 1948, which is like 10 years old, Peter was totally clean. They couldn't find anything. So police pressed Betty about anyone she could think that would want to harm Peter. And Betty told them about a woman named Joan Rabble. So Peter had hired Joan to work as a part-time in the beauty salon as a photographer. So she would take pictures of people after they got their hair done. Uh huh. And during that time, she had become really good friends with his wife, Betty. In fact, earlier in the year, Peter and Betty had been having problems in their marriage, and Betty went to stay with Joan. And Peter and Betty made up pretty quickly afterwards, but Peter was grew jealous of Betty and Joan's relationship. And part of the agreement when they decided to get back together was he, she had to cut Joan out of their lives. Wow. And so it was 1957, so none of the newspapers that I read actually say that they think that Joan and Betty were having an affair. But they like say that their relationship was abnormal. So gotcha. it, it's pretty, it seems pretty clear. I mean, I can't say confirm, but in my, it seems pretty clear that they were, um, they were having More an affair with friends. each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. So either way, Joan must have reacted badly enough to the news that Betty was going to cut her out of her life that Betty felt that she could be a suspect in her husband's murder. Like, wow. So that was the only name that Betty gave police. She was like, I don't know. I don't know that this woman did it, but this is the only person I can think who has it out for Peter. Yeah. So police go to question Joan, and she denies any involvement and saying she was like, the Fabianos are two of my closest friends. And she says she was home all night and points out that her car never left the driveway. And her neighbors confirmed that her car was in the driveway the entire night of Halloween, and her car doesn't match the description that the witness gave police. However, as police are confirming Joan's alibi, one of Joan's acquaintances, Margaret Barrett, says, yeah, Joan's car was in the driveway, but that's because she asked to borrow my car, (gasps) and when she brought it back, it had 37 miles on it. Which I also oh. think it's funny that she, like, every single article I read said 37 miles. And so it's like, <laughs> she must have been like, she put 37 miles on my car. Like, <laughs> so, uh, but I just think it's funny. 37 I, like, is a lot to, like, borrow your car for a minute. It is a lot, but I also think it's, I would never know. I don't know how, do you know how many miles are on your car? I have no idea. No, but what, my old, our old car that we had that I used when I was, like, a road dog, um, had, we had over 30, 300,000 miles on it. Wow. And then it stopped. Like, that's where the odometer stopped. So I don't know how many over <laughs> that. It just, we kept driving it forever, and then it finally broke down. But um, Crazy. Yeah. But so, no, I have no no idea. Um, so, yes. So she, 37 miles, and uh, it is the same green oh my as the boy saw after the shooting. Dun, dun, dun. So police arrest Joan and question her again. And she admits that she did borrow the car, but she said she took it to get groceries, I guess, 15 miles away. Um, And police have no evidence to keep her. They just have suspicions, but they have to let her go. So they're once again at a loss. They question friends and family, and no one could think of anyone else who would want to hurt Peter. But then at a month after the murder, they get an anonymous tip telling them to check a locker at a department store 
which I guess at that time, like you could rent a locker at a department store to like stash your bags or whatever, oh, you know, yeah. like, yeah, you, know, like, you could rent them at like, um, like train stations or whatever. Huh? You get white water. What's white water? Oh yeah. You just, you moved here a year ago. White water yeah. is, um, uh, it's actually owned by Six Flags now. It's a uh, water park. Or oh, whatever. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you could like it's rent a disgusting. locker. Yes. Okay. <laughs> like what's white water? It's a cesspool. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so they so police follow up on the tip and in that locker they find a 38 Smith and Wesson. Whoa. The police run the ballistics and they match it to the murder weapon. So they search sales records and they find the owner of a gun is a 43-year-old lab technician at LA's Children's Hospital named Goldine Pizer. <gasps> Goldine, so you remember Goldine from the beginning of our yeah. story. Yeah. So Goldine was a quiet person described like in every article as mousy and just like very meek woman. She'd been married at one point but had been divorced years earlier. Um, and then it, one article that I read, it said that she was known to date women on occasion. And so when the police bring Goldine in for questioning, she immediately broke down and confessed to the murder. Wow. But she says it was not her fault. She says she had been coerced into committing the crime by none other than Joan Ravel. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. So Joan and Goldine had been friends for years, but it was only after Betty had cut off ties with Joan with Joan that she Joan started paying more attention to Goldine. And in the months before the murder, with Joan spending more and more time with Goldine, Goldine says that Joan, all Joan would talk about was Peter Fabiano. Joan called him evil and vile. She said it was a man who was destroying everything around him. And Goldine believed that Joan, uh, believed Joan and actually grew to hate Peter, even though she had never seen him. Goldine told police that Joan said he mistreated his wife and he was dealing in narcotics. She told me he was always bothering her at home. Pretty soon, Peter was all that they talked about. So hour after hour, Joan would rant about Peter's evil nature and his cruelty to his wife and to her children. And within two months, Goldie was certain that Peter was a monster. And Isn't it crazy that you can develop this kind of like hatred for a person that you don't even know what they look... You know what I mean? Like yeah. Like Facebook, we could at least... You know, like if someone, say at work, is like rude to me, I immediately... Like via email, I immediately Google, like Facebook oh, yeah. what they look like so I can put a face to this person that I think sucks. Right. And I'm like, oh, let's look like you asshole. Um, <laughs> but it's crazy that to think that like back then you're just hearing a story and you have no idea. Right. You, you know just what like, I mean? Like you develop an obsession with a person that you don't. Yeah. Have yeah. No it's crazy. So Goldie said that. Joan and I discussed killing Peter many times. We were undecided about whether we should use poison, a knife, or a gun. And they finally set on a gun, and Joe gave her money, and she bought the revolver in Pasadena. And she told the dealer that she needed it for home protection, and she only bought two bullets. So Joan decided Halloween night was the perfect time because they could wear disguises and nobody would think anything of it. And so she actually brought Goldine to Peter's beauty shop a few times earlier in the month so that she could know what he looked like, so uh -huh. that she didn't shoot his son. Oh. So the night of the murder, Joan picked up Goldine in the green car and gave her a costume. They drove to Betty and Peter's house and sat outside for two hours until they saw the light go out in the bedroom. And then Joan said, all right, let's do it. And then Goldine was shaking as she walked up to the door. She rang the doorbell once and then twice, and Peter came down and she shot him. She ran back to the car and Joan leaned over and kissed her and said, thank you. And then they dropped the car back off and walked to their homes. And as they parted way, Joan looked at Goldine and said, forget you ever knew me. Oh my God. Like crazy. She just yes. was like, see ya. Peace. Peace. So Goldine cut up and burned the rest of her costume and showed the gun in the locker, where it stayed until police found it a month later. One of the two bullets was still inside when they found it. Wow. So both women were charged with first-degree murder. Joan pled not guilty, and Goldine pleaded gu not guilty by reason of insanity. And a judge ordered three psychiatrists to examine each woman. Goldine told one of them, I had no motive personally. Whatever motive I had was to please Joan. I was always easily influenced. I have been impressionable and have always been trusting. 
And the psychiatrist wrote, the only thing she had that, um, the only thing she had was that she, to save her friend, Joan Rabble, from an evil person. And another doctor who examined Goldine said she was a passive person who had become a handy tool or putty in the hands of Joan. The same doctor described Joan as schizoid. So just as their trials were about to start, they both pled guilty to second degree murder and they were sentenced to five years to life in prison. What? And the public was like outraged by the light sentence. I'm and so shocked by that too, especially back in the 50s, like a woman who m- murdered a man, you would think they would like burn the witch. I think so, but I also think it was like, they looked at women as like kind of, like it's kind like, of a joke. Oh, like they yeah. don't really know what they're doing because their brains are so small. Yes. Oh. So, I mean, it, like, cuts both ways, right? Like, it's sexist for whatever reason. Sexist in a different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So, Goldine was actually released. Um, It's We're not exactly sure how long she spent, but she she lived in Los Angeles, and by 1971, she won some, like, Rotary Club awards. So, we know that she was out by then and a member of society, and she died there at age 83, um, Joan was also released at some point, but it's not known what happened to her. And Betty never remarried and died at age 81 in 1999. Wow. And I think it's like, there's nowhere that I read anything about Betty having anything to do with it, like that she knew or she tried to get Joan to do it right, or any right. of that. But the one detail that I do find that might like kind of lead to that conclusion is just that she said she heard two male voices. Yeah. Which is like, okay, who knows? I mean, it's such a crazy time. You don't know what you heard. She said it's one sounded like a man pretending to be a woman. It could have just been, that's how Goldine sounded. But Goldine never said that she said much. All she said, she said was no. So. But she also was the person that was like, go check out this lady. Right? Isn't what do you mean? She, like, it didn't oh, right. Yeah. So she, yeah. Say, like, so she led to Joan. Yeah. She yeah. led them to Joan. So, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, there's nothing mm. that I'm not trying to accuse her. I just like, that's the one detail that I find. I didn't see that addressed anywhere, but. Yikes. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, witness testimony is. Don't answer the door after. Nothing good's happened at 11 p.m. on Halloween. <laughs> Man, good one, dude. I have to say, your Halloween stories are definitely. Like, because my love story is not a Halloween story. So you're winning at Halloween. I'm winning at you Halloween. Just yes. You just won Halloween. There you go. Hey, Sally. Yes, Jen. Are you ready for a love story that's not Halloween themed? I am ready for that <laughs> because you know what? I don't care about Halloween. Oh, <laughs> she's back. Anti-Halloween Sally has I, returned. I'm not anti-Halloween, which I'm is just probably kidding. like you're even indifferent. worse for you. I'm yeah. indifferent. Yeah, you're indifferent. But I do I, I do get excited for Max. Like, I had a lot of fun last year. Like, yeah. he gets excited. When you're a kid, yeah. it's more fun, for yeah. sure. This is the love story of Celeste Dandecker and Trevor Arnold. They sound amazing. They are amazing. And this is, um, a lot of this came from um, a beautiful article written by Peter Stanford for Telegraph UK. And a lot of it was also from Wikipedia. Oh, thank you, Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. Um, okay, so in 1967, Celeste Dandeker was a student at the Covenant of the Cross in uh, Bournemouth, England. Bournemouth? Bournemouth. I don't Bo- know. Probably Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Um, and so... You um, listeners, like, let us know. It's, um, you know, like a Catholic school that you stay at. A boarding school. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a sleepover. A sleepover school. A sleepover school. Uh, so Celeste was looking for a date for her school summer ball. And her brother Adrian, her older brother Adrian, uh, promised like he would help her out. Yeah. So he set up, uh, um, set her up with his friend Trevor, who was 19 years old at the time. So... Um, she was, uh, I believe, 15 and he was 19. Ooh, older Ooh. man. And so um, he was... Uh, Ooh, sounds very illegal in the <laughs> United States. <laughs> I know, but not in England. Um, maybe she was 16. I want to say 15. I don't know. Uh, but anyway... Um, it was nice. It was nice. And so um, he went to the neighboring um, St. Peter's school. It's like, you know, there's like the girls' school and then the boys' school. Yeah. And so... Um, 
he went to the boys one and uh trevor says in this article i remember picking you up from your school and i could still see us sitting side by side in the taxi and then when we went out for a breath of fresh air under a palm tree and then he kind of like giggles like and then she interrupts him and says like you mean we made out yeah (laughs) whatever (laughs) and so um it's real cute but anyway they had uh two months left of school that year and they were only so they met and they like you know instantly hit it off and fell in love but they only had two months left of school yeah and they were only allowed out on saturdays so they made sure they hung out every single saturday um that they had left together right and then once the year was over and summer came um he went off to a polytechnic school and she um and celeste still had school because she was younger than him right you know, she had her life to live. She had so, things to do. She had things. She um, had geometry to take. Yeah. Um, so they wrote each other's each other letters back and forth, but the romance kind of fizzled out. Yeah, it's hard to keep a romance up when you have to write letters. Yeah, it is. It's exhausting. Your arm hurts. Your <laughs> wrist hurts. Carpal tunnel. You have to get stamps. Yeah. Oh, that's um, the hardest part. Stamps. Stamps. Um, so... It was now um, September of uh, 1968, and um, Celeste had, after school, had gone on to win a place at the recently founded uh, London Contemporary Dance School. Ooh. Yes, which was very fancy. Um, And while she was at the dance school, on her lunch break, um, she was walking through uh, Berwick Street Market in Soho, and she bumped into (gasps) Trevor. Trev! Yes, and he had just started uh, as a management trainee at, uh, the name of this department store is called Whiteley's, which just sounds like so white. <laughs> Whiteley's department Whiteley's. store. <laughs> it well, sounds like a fake it probably name was on like a Key and Peele sketch show. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. Key and Peele sketch, like, welcome to Whiteley's department store. Anyway, um, so they decided to get dinner, and then once again, the sparks flew. And they were in love again. Yeah. So for a year and a half, they were madly in love. And Trevor would go to her dance rehearsals and watch. And she would go with him to like rock concerts and stuff. Uh, they saw Frank Zappa, which is pretty cool. Ooh. Um, Celeste, you know, she was young. She had a life. She had yeah. a life to live. She was you know? a dancer. She had to be She had to do stuff. So um, she felt like the, she had her whole life ahead of her. And uh, she gave him the old dumper She was like, oh, bye bye, Trevor. She was like, Trevor, yeah. you're a management trainee. Yeah. I am like an up and coming dancer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he eventually married and settled in um, Sheffield, England, and he joined the Ministry of Labor. She went on to become a professional dancer. And um, she made her debut at 19 with the London Contemporary Dance Company on December 8th, 1973 when she was dancing on stage in Manchester, performing in a piece called Stages. Celeste says, there was a gymnastic section and I went to do a handspring forward over two men, but instead of turning over once, I did one and a half and I landed on my face and not on my feet. She said, I remember being carried into the wings while the show went on. I knew I had done something bad. I spent the next three days in a hospital in Manchester where they told me I had broken my neck. Oh my gosh. Yes. It was only when I moved to the spinal unit in Oswest Street in Shropshire Shire, uh, that they told me um, quite how serious it was. Um, her spinal cord had been severely damaged, leaving her unable to walk and with limited movement in her arms. Oh, poor. I know, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. So she remained in Oswestry for seven months in rehab, in a rehabilitation center. Uh-huh. Um, she said, afterwards, I wouldn't even think about teaching or choreographing or anything. I had no vision of how a disabled person could dance at the level I was used to or whether you could even call what they could do dance at all. Yeah. So she wanted to stay in the world of dance. So what she did is she got a degree in costume design and she became a costume designer for dance companies. Okay. Um, so, which is badass, you it's know? Badass. It's like, you know, well, I'm, I still love dance. I'm going to figure out what I can do. You yeah. Know? And then so in 1989, when she was 38, so, this, you know, so cut to 20 so years old. later. Yeah. 
38. Bar. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1989, when she was 38, dancer and fellow dancer and filmmaker uh, Darshan Singh Bueller um, asked her if she would star in a 10-minute dance film for the BBC Two called The Fall. He convinced her that wheelchair or not, she could still perform. Yeah. And when she filmed in it and realized like she could still dance right it opened a whole um new world for her you know she danced in the wheelchair yeah and then this one thing that she did you know filming this thing led her um she was invited to teach dance to people with disabilities by this man named adam benjamin and then the classes grew and grew and then dan decker um and benjamin uh, so celeste and benjamin um founded the can do co dance company and 1991 hell yeah yeah isn't that amazing yeah and so um they were determined that they didn't want this not going to be a dance therapy group you know or right they wanted to be yeah. like a dance troupe like an yeah, actual, yeah they wanted and they didn't want this to be like just quote-unquote disabled dancing they wanted to excel as dancers and they wanted to show that other people can excel at dancers too. Yeah. Fuck so, yeah. and the first year they won many awards and she was um, appointed a member of the Order of the British Empire, which I don't know what that is, but that sounds dope. It sounds great. Yeah. And she won that award. Do you think she got like a sword or like a, a tiara? Like knighted? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Let's say yes. British Empire. In 1989, she ended up um, giving up dancing to concentrate on the artistic direction of the Candy Co. Um, so, when, but when the film came out, anyway, so when the film came out that she, the movie The Fall, yeah, um, Trevor, who was over in Sheffield, England at the time, watched it and he said that it brought a tear to his eye. So he saw that, yeah, documentary and was like, or He's the like, film and was like, that's my girl, yeah. But he was still married. But then 12 years later, after Trevor's marriage ended and his children were all grown up, he was reading a newspaper on his way to London for a work trip when he came upon an article about Celeste um, talking about how she had won the... um, the MBE, yeah, and then she, and then she won an OBE later. Uh, Dave Valois Award for Outstanding Achievement in Dance, which is all pretty amazing, so yeah. amazing that she won all these things. So he was bragging to all of his friends, like, "Hey, I know this girl. Like, yeah. you know, we used to date and twice actually." And then her friends were like, "Well, call her. You know, you should yeah. write her a letter, or talk to her, or something." And he said. Quote, um, I wanted to, but then I worried about raking up the past and whether there was any point. Right. Um, but he just couldn't stop thinking about her. So the next time he was in London, he looked up um, the address of the Canduco and um, office, and he just like popped in. Really? To say hi, yeah. Good on um, you, Trevor. But Celeste wasn't there. She Ugh. was at a rehearsal on the other side of town. Because she's got things to do. She's a busy lady. Womp, she can't just womp, sit womp. around and wait for Trevor yeah. to pop by no, all these years stuff. later. Um, so he left his card and hoped that she would remember him. Um, so, um, But then he heard nothing. And then he ended up sending her a postcard while he was in Brussels. And again he heard nothing Crickets. he was like boo but she was like a quote unquote she said i was away touring <laughs> she was busy. uh it took me a few days when i got back to work and made it down to the bottom of her in-tray um when she did she found trevor's postcard and a business card and she immediately picked up the phone and called him and like knew his voice like immediately yeah. you know and then um, she says she actually never stopped thinking about him either. Aww. All throughout the year, she said she she always remembered his birthday each year. It was December 28th. And she would always wonder what happened to him and that they had lost. But she was just like, we lost touch and yeah. that was that. So, but, you know, she always remembered on the 28th that that was his birthday. Um, so, and <coughs> Celeste had had several long relationships throughout the years, but nothing really worked out in the long run. Uh-huh. She said her one sadness in life was that she never had children, but she said, you know, maybe next time around, perhaps, you know, when, um, I guess like in another life. Right. And she said, but I had my work, my family and my friends. I just wasn't looking for anyone just then. Yeah. So they start talking and a few months later he mentioned that he's coming back to London for another work trip. So she decided to invite, uh, invite him over for dinner. So they had this nice dinner, they had chicken and he brought her champagne and flowers and like 
the once over the dinner like sparks flew again yeah and they were in love again but sadly celeste was heading off to the philippines for two weeks on a tour that very next day um but when she got Star crossed home, i know but then when she got home there were two letters waiting for her on her doormat from trevor so he waited mm. for her two more i mean you could wait, wait two yeah, more weeks two more weeks going what's that and so <laughs> so um that august trevor proposed and he said he had to ask her four times. He said, I, I think, and then Celeste said, I think it was because I couldn't quite believe it. But of course they said, yes, um, it seems completely right. The person interviewing her asked why, you know, she, it seemed completely right. She yeah. said, well, part of it was because Trevor had known me before my accident. Continuity matters to her because it means that he can see beyond her physical restrictions right. and see her as she sees herself as yeah. a person without physical restrictions. And they uh, in the article they when they asked if um, Celeste's disabilities in any way concerned Trevor, he said no, not at all. He says without you know blinking, it never came into my head. She was different from before in that she wasn't fully mobile but i never dwelt on that sometimes there are practical challenges in doing what we want to do but celeste's disability doesn't stop us doing from any of the things that any other couples do so celeste and trevor married five months later on november 17 2001 oh yay at yay. the wood green registry office she says that when i re uh, remembered trevor and those years apart what i remembered was a lot of laughter now that we have that again i know it sounds odd but i have to come to see it over the past but I have come to see it over the past 12 years as something that was meant to be. It does feel as if we have always been together. He was my first love and he will be my last love. Oh. The end. Oh, that was such a great story. Isn't it? I loved it so much. Yay. Good job. We did it. We did it. All right. You ready to do something dumb and something we love? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so something dumb is that I've been sick for... Boo. Two weeks though. No, I know. Week. A week? I don't know. It's been, it feels like forever. Oh, it's that kind of like, you know, weather change cold that lasts an entire season. It's, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, try, I'm doing all the things, but. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, so last week when we recorded, I was losing my voice, which was like, I was especially worried because like, I had shows all week. I would like Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. two shows on Friday. And then on Saturday, I got to open for Mark Marin at the Tabernacle Theater yeah. in Atlanta, which, which is seats like how many people? Like, like three thousand people. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, and so and it was just like such a cool thing. Like, you know, I got to like walk in, do a sound check on this huge historical stage. Yeah, and, like, everybody you could think of is open. You know, is played there, and like everyone who works there is like totally. Uh, like rock and roll and I walk in and I'm like hey hi I have my fans you know <laughs> just like total mom with all my bags and crap and um and they were like here which dressing room do you want like what do you want to like uh what do you want to drink what do you, you know they're like oh, everybody like the best yeah it's amazing which like I don't know if you guys know but as a stand-up comedian you don't usually get treated that nicely yeah. most of the times the green rooms are just like a janitor's closet. Yeah, they're and like, good they're luck. Like, Here's a drink ticket, but it has to be well or PBR. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, cool, thanks. Okay. Um, so anyway, so it was nice, and I got to meet Mark Baird, who was Yay. so gracious yeah. and nice, and uh, he mentioned Dumb Love when he brought me up on stage, That's so I don't know so if any of you were at the show, and now we're listening, I hope at least one or two people and then it was just so cool to perform for like his fans who were really great and fun and like went really well and you know I was like oh yeah I only want to perform here yeah <laughs> so I do on. this every night now right yeah and then I like he like the next day like tweeted out about me it was just like <gasps> he very, did yeah you didn't tell me that yeah he was like thanks so much to Sally Brooks and which is just funny I didn't even know because I'm not on You're, Twitter yeah you gotta get on the Twitters I, gotta, I don't know I used to do uh, the Twitters we used to hate Twitter but we gotta do it gotta, gotta do, do the do Twitters the pod. all right <laughs> I don't know. All right, I'll think about it. Um, so anyway, so that was just like really nice. And uh, and it was such a fun, you know, it's just such a fun thing to do. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I was I'm really so excited. excited for you and you totally deserve it. It was great. Thank you. Hell yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. Yes. Um, so my uh, something dumb 
is it's funny because that this is a Halloween themed episode because right now I look like a fucking monster. <laughs> you don't. Sally's sitting across from me being very nice to not say anything, even though I keep going like, look how crazy I look. I, know. I am. I just, I, my face right now looks like raw and red and like silence of the lambs. Um, I have a, uh, I got a, uh, my, this is my third one. It's uh, called a Fraxel treatment because uh, I had like really bad acne scarring from growing up. I had yeah. like cystic acne when I was a teenager and the scars like still are on my face, but this, it's called Fraxel. It's this laser thing and it's like lasering them off. But in the me I got it done last night. So yeah. today is the worst day. I just have to hide in my room. <laughs> I actually have shows tonight, so I'm going to have to somehow... To cover Just, this it's not up. bad it's it really is it's like but a anyway. little red but it's like all your head well yeah whatever um so that's something that is dumb and then something that i love is oh i forgot to mention this last time and i was so mad at myself i was like oh I t-, and i like texted you and i was like i forgot to say um when i went on my crew the cruise before i left um, I had a show that night and Sally had was on the same show. Yeah. And Sally brought me a little care package to go on the cruise. Oh, and she yeah. like brought me like a notebook to like write um, jokes in, which I'm sorry I didn't write any new jokes that on is the okay. trip. And then she brought me a book to read and it was just the sweetest thing. And it was just so thoughtful. And, you know, you have so much going on in your life that I was just blown away by the fact that you would take like, you know... a time to even like worry like or think about the fact that like here i'm going on a cruise and you're like oh i'm gonna bring the like it was just i know so but you would like spent you would just produce a huge comedy festival i worked so hard and had a million other things going on in your life but you like deserved it i was so excited for you Aww, i'm sad well, that you like you. didn't love it give relaxed actually on the cruise <laughs> but i'm glad you had time away because it was you like we're just so crazy busy and like working yeah, so hard. Yeah, it was so. nice to like get away for a minute. Yeah, but for sure. But yeah. um, well, that's the thing that I love. Oh, yay, yay. Um, so uh, yeah, man, we just did our twentieth episode. So thank right. you guys so much, and thank you guys for um subscribing, liking. Thank you for participating in all of our fun Instagram stuff. Yeah, it's fun to like get to know you guys. A little bit. It's really yeah. 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 Oh my god, you guys make me laugh so hard. When we just did one that was like um, the what are the things you do to annoy your your spouse? Uh, your, yeah, oh, yeah, or your, or your partner. partner. And um, you guys are fucking hilarious. Oh yeah. my god, I was crying laughing at some of your answers. Yeah, like, get on um, the Instagrams if you yeah if you aren't get on it. And um, if you guys feel like subscribing, liking, rating, reviewing. Sharing. Sharing, sharing with a friend. Sharing with friends, that's cool too. Yeah. But um, go have an awesome Halloween. Yeah, thank you guys. And go out there and do something dumb for love. Dum, da, dum, 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 dum.